1: This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello everybody and welcome back to the Royal Blue Podcast in association with Sport Pacer. I'm Phil Kirkbride and today joined by Dave Prentice, Adam Jones and Gav Buckland as we chew the fat over the major talking points at Goodison Park this week, culminating of course in looking ahead to tomorrow's trip to Newcastle. We'll be discussing what is in in store for the nine games that remaining. Marco Silva describing them as cup finals. Bernard and the wingers, we delve once again into the problem area uh, of the team. The Premier League 2 title looks like it's edging closer to return to Goodison. The under-23 is winning again on Monday night, night. but how close are any of them to the first team? And we'll ask, is our away form better than we think? Um, But we'll start with... um, Nine games left, Preno. Um, Marco saying, as I said, each one is a cup final. But in reality, what does and what do the, the final nine games of the season look like in your mind? How do they look in terms of what Marco has to do and the team shape and look? And-
2: it's it's got to be a learning curve. I mean, I, I saw a stat last week which raised my eyebrows a little. That we are currently in a better position with nine games to go than we were last season in terms of points gathered goals scored and goals conceded which surprised me because as we know Sam Allardyce did a magnificent job in guiding <laughs> everyone to safety so no you know maybe we're guilty of you know sort of weighing this season down with you know sort of far too weighty expectations and things are maybe a little bit better than we think they have been that's not to sugarcoat anything because it has been a disappointing season absolutely no doubt whatsoever but maybe not quite as bad as we thought uh, as far as the nine games to go Europe is still a possibility. I don't think we should rule that out. You know, so depending on who wins what during the end of the season, you know, seventh place could, you know, ensure Europa League qualification. And I've always believed that is a prize worth having. I know a lot of managers don't and they think it's a bit of a booby prize, but, you know, that should be a target. And if that is the case, yeah, you know, everyone is a cup final. It's unlikely, given the quality of the opposition we've got to face in those nine games, there's some seriously big games in there. But I just want to see. Marco Silva, learning a bit more about the players at his disposal. I want to see Dominic Calvert-Lewin given a decent run at centre-forward and see what he can produce. Uh, And I want to see maybe, you know, a little bit more experimentation in other areas of the team. Uh, Richarlison playing off the right, which he did so successfully for the 20-odd minute, half an hour against Liverpool. Um, Maybe just, you know... (laughs) I wouldn't say young players being brought in because we'll get into that later. But you know, non- nobody in the under twenty is absolutely banging the door down. Uh, but there's just like one or two areas where you know Marco can look at the team and maybe you know sort learn a little bit more about players that he doesn't already know. And let's have one big win. We haven't had one yet. You know, so one really landmark win: beat Man United or beat Chelsea or you know beat Spurs, something like that. Um, One answer to a simple question. No, no, no. <laughs> uh,
1: no very good. Um, Adam Prender they're saying maybe experimenting and 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 chopping and changing and giving players and 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 trialing things. Is there not a a, a case for saying actually Marco should stick with an eleven between now and the end of the season and, <laughs> mm. and give give some of that consistency to the team? Uh, yeah, I think I think I'd agree with that latter point. To be honest, I think
3: uh, the last few weeks and months have seen a little bit too much chopping and changing for my liking. It's been. Obviously, the bad run of form that Everton have been in over these last few months can't be denied, and I think over those over that time, Marco Silva probably lost sight of what his best starting eleven was. I think most of the fans did. Like there was, you could ask ten people what Everton's best starting eleven was, and you get ten different answers. You know, he, we had so many players out of form. I think now that he's stumbled upon what looks like quite a decent quite a decent formula. So does that
2: exclude Andre Gomez? Well, no. no. I
3: I, I said decent formula. I don't think he should deviate (laughs) from it all that much. I still think Andre Gomez Mm. in general is a better option than Morgan Schneiderlin, especially when you're going into games like Newcastle away or like in a few weeks we'll have Palace away. You don't need to be playing two sitting midfielders in those sort of games in Guy and Schneiderlin. So you just pick one of them and have Gomez playing a bit more of a box-to-box role that we've been used to see in this season. But yeah, I think uh, on the whole, I'd much rather see, you know, a consistent 11, try and get as many points on the board from now until the end of the season. You know, it was only a few weeks ago that Marco Silva was saying, look, I just want to finish this campaign better than we did last season. That would mean finishing seventh. So he's, he's, laid, he's laid his own challenge down. Let's see if he can achieve it now.
1: Gav, describing games as in league games as cup finals, it's common parlance for football <laughs> managers, isn't it? But is there any deeper meaning for Marco? Is, is, is that an insight into the scrutiny he still feels under, even though he's had the reassurances, um, you know, rightly so, and I, I would say, you know, about about his future? Is, is that still a an acknowledgement that he probably does need
0: to try and get Europe? Uh, absolutely, or well, oh, there, there, there or thereabouts. I mean, um, yeah. I mean, it's only both. Well, Two games ago he was getting a sort of <laughs> vote of confidence, isn't it? Or whatever you would say, or you know, arm round the shoulder publicly off farhad had so the nine games to him are vitally important in terms of establishing his reputation and also like we saw on Sunday, building like a rapport with the fans and it is this is very important to Goodison, isn't it? And that goes back to Penos point about getting a big win. Yeah, yeah. Mm. You know, to help that will help that, wouldn't it really? So it is vitally important for him for nine cup final that, that there is nine cup finals. I um for me, slightly contrary, I, I, I think it's vital that Snyder plays. I think we we'd look far better with a holding midfielder. As I've said all season, we need one. I think that would be someone that would like an area that he probably want every you know, bringing the replacement in yep. in the summer. Uh, I would more than happy see Gomez play instead of just a Garner guy and be a box-to-box midfielder. Um
1: you saying that about, about Idriss in, in light of the fact that we know that if the right offer came in, he would want to leave the Possibly,
0: football. possibly. And given the fact uh, he's played very well recently. And he has he's played, played very, very well. Yeah I, he has actually, done, yeah,
1: I think it's almost, as Casey say, the last, last four games, maybe... Since the close of the window, probably been some of his best four games Absolutely, ever Absolutely, and he's forward, not
0: really he? playing as a holding midfielder, is he? He's, he's more playing, I wouldn't necessarily say box to box, but he's playing, at, you know, because mm. Nidland's sitting in, it's allowed him to, to sort of be more of a nuisance further up the pitch, isn't it, for, for, mm. for want of a better phrase? Um, so, I mean, I wouldn't die in a ditch if if he plays between now and the end of the season, but I would like to see Gomez given given that role um, because I think he doesn't hurt in this, the way he's played Gomez for us so far this season, he's not been in a position to hurt the opposition enough, and I think he can do that. He's got the game to do that. Could you play all three, yeah? You could do. You could do. So um, sacrificing you've them. got to sacrifice. You've Everything we yeah. want to do tactically to change the team, all road stop us, Sigurdsson, don't do. Mm. Yes. That, that's, that's the problem we've got, and his role, unless you're moving that wide, which is not getting the best out of him. Yeah. Um, so... I would like to see, definitely see and play every game as holding midfielder because that's the way for us as, as, as the future uh, I'd like to see Richardson playing in his best position which is why I'd left best players in the best positions uh, I agree with Planner about Carvert-Lewin um, and we spoke beforehand is, I'm not sure really what's going on with Yerry the mm. at the moment about whether there's an opportunity to blood blood him between now and the end of the season but as you say, it's it's you know is that a bit of a considering defensively? We've been reasonably sound over uh, the last eight games. We've had four clean sheets, which is the same as what we had in the previous twenty-one Premier League games. So we might not want to sort of change that formula. So yeah, I think there's. I'd like to see consistency, but I think there's scope for looking at how we how I want to see us play next season still scope to make a couple of couple of little changes. Let's pick up on pick up on your
1: point then. It wasn't on the agenda, but as you, as you mentioned it, why is Europe something that we should be still striving for this season? Even though, as you probably would acknowledge, there are pitfalls playing in the Europa League and the early start, and you know knowing that Marco would probably benefit from and the school would benefit from a full summer of of training at Finch Farm? Why is Europe still something we should be trying to get to?
2: A number of reasons, really. It, it creates excitement around the club. Uh, the more matches you play, you know, so the more opportunity uh, the squad gets to, to play more games. And it just creates a buzz I know it wasn't you know from our experience last season because it was such a, an appalling campaign in the Europa League but you know I can think of previous Europa League campaigns where there's excitement uh, you know that season under Martinez where we got through to the, the round of 16 round of 32 was it Dynamo Kiev uh, you know a great excitement we you know Fiorentina going back even further you know it does create excitement and I hate to use this phrase but you know you know the brand, you know, the profile, if you like. But it does...
1: It, it, it brings it, in money. It, no genera- it, it
2: generates interest in your football club in Europe. And so when you're looking at signing other players, you know about Everton because they've seen them in Europe, you know, so more regularly. You look at the Europa League this week, you know, you look at Rennes, you know, so their fans absolutely bouncing around the place at beating Arsenal. You're thinking, oh, I wish that was good as some, you know, yeah. so, you know, having a, a tie like that, it just creates excitement. I mean, you can't not want to be in you know, a, a competition that embraces so many decent clubs in Europe. I mean, there's so many big teams in that competition now. Uh, it's not quite the booby prize it used to be. It's not the Champions League. It never will be. But, you know, equally, it's not quite as bad as it's being painted. And uh, I just I just think because of the excitement it creates, I'd love to see Everton in it again. I
1: don't know, where do you sit on the uh, Europa League fence? <sighs> on it or on either side? Uh,
3: I th- I think it's interesting. I think Prano makes a lot of good points and you can't really disprove them. I think the only... The only thing I would say about it is the last couple of times Everton have been in the Europa League, let's leave the actual last time out altogether. The times before that uh, in the Europa League, in the UEFA Cup, this the squad wasn't really in transition. You know, We had quite a solid foundation to then go into those campaigns and that's why I think we did so well and there yeah. was so much excitement generated from those kind of runs. I think the problem that we saw last time out was the... We were a squad still deeply entrenched in a big transition. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had a massive summer of change, then we were instantly hit with uh, some early competitive games. Couldn't really get into our stride, and I feel like that really affected us for the rest of the campaign. Then the problem, the worry that I'd have if we got into Europe going into next season was that it's going to happen again because they say it's going to be a massive, another massive summer of change. You know, you, we've we've all talked about there needs to be a clear out. Of some of the uh, some of the deadwood at the club, you know, there still needs to be injections of quality all over the pitch. I, ju- I do just worry that if we were to then get into the Europa League and we were playing competitive games in mid July, you know, it is going to be it is going yeah, to hamper pre-season. us a little bit. Yeah,
2: that that was the big issue for me. The pre-season was wrecked basically, and I don't think you know. So Ronald Koeman approached it in as efficient a way as he could have done. You know, I know it's very, very difficult when you're playing games in July and you've got to train and then play matches, train and play matches, but I still think they could have done it far more effectively than they, they did. Fulham managed it, Middlesbrough managed it, you know, so all those years yeah. ago, you know, they had long campaigns in Europe and had you know, decent seasons as a result. It can be done if you plan properly. And as we saw from the transfer strategy last season, planning wasn't, you know, sort of the high points of that particular regime. It, it's it's tough, you know, I take both points of view. Um, and, you know, I wouldn't argue that, you know, Everson probably, or Marco Silva and Marcel Brands probably wouldn't, you know, sort of benefit from having a season without European distractions, you know, being able to put in place all, you know, sort of their philosophies and their structures and get the squad together. But I'm just being greedy. Like, yeah. know, I, I want it now. <laughs> Gav, just last one on this then.
1: You would understand if Marco's under pressure from the board because of the money that we can take in from being even Europe in the group stages to deliver seventh?
0: absolutely i think said last week that the club needs it, maybe the squad doesn't um mm. and i think which is the most important well I, I would say going forward for the future the way we want everton to be in 4 or 5 years time it's absolutely vital for us to get into europe isn't it to get that that you know the commercials commercial side um better you know the money you get from the competition, and just raises our profile so that's that's we have to take those opportunities because at what point will on the playing side will we be <laughs> yeah. will, will we be you know you mean, playing in last Europe?
3: season's Europa League, did that harm us as a club or did it enhance us as a club? F-
0: f- financially it was very good for mm. you know, comparative terms. It was it was very good for us. Um
3: say like on the whole it probably harmed us as a club. On the
0: playing side, absolutely, absolutely. Um but we have got we've got to embrace it we've, we've got to embrace European football, haven't we, that? That is the way forward for us as a club. And and I just feel that just hanging around to when you know to, to, to wait for an opportunity well that might opportunity mm. might not happen next two or three years but i do take Adams point that it's like you know the july start is not ideal but we just have to manage we have to learn to manage that better because hopefully in the future we will be managing european football every season because that's absolutely vital for the club's uh, uh, sustainability, especially when we move to a new stadium. I was uh, going to mention that. We've got to be in Europe yeah, yeah. in a new stadium. Yeah, imagine you know,
2: fans from the continent coming to this mm. iconic yeah. venue on the waterfront.
0: And so, uh, I, I, I understand the concerns on the playing side, but we have to do that better.
1: So with nine games to go then, the question is for everybody, will we get seventh?
2: It's not. So, suddenly not. It's not work, really? Yeah, looking at the quality of the games, we've still got to face a good as we've got to win. Two or three of them, and can you see us beating two or three of those? You know, so top five teams.
3: Well, I wouldn't say Wolves and Watford are exactly running no, away with it, it I was in I said Chelsea.
2: Tottenham. No, but I mean,
3: no, but I mean, like there, there are competition for seventh place. Essentially, Wolves and Watford. They're not exactly run away. They're only six points ahead. Yeah, I've not, I've, like Wolves are apparently having the best season
2: the world has ever yeah. <laughs> seen, and, and, and they're only six points ahead. I have of to hold ever, my hand and and say I've not scrutinised their fixture list, so I don't know how their fixture list compares to Everton's. But I just I've looked at Everton's, and you know, there's a number of games there where what is it? Howard Farr had described them as you know sort of games that you don't expect to win. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so all, all I think is
3: like it, I think this 17-day break that we've just had is massively. Massively yeah. helped out, and I think yeah. it, you know if you go to Newcastle at the weekend and you win that, and yeah. you've do, you've got that momentum built behind you, then you know that's seven seven points out of three games there, yeah. you know th- that I think that momentum can really help you. You know, going into Chelsea as well, Chelsea will be just coming back from Kiev mm. a couple of days before. Like if we make that atmosphere, an easy
1: place to go. It, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 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 well, they haven't
3: got Alcaraz at centre back yeah, to yeah, be fair. Yeah. To them. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it's as if Marco said, you know, if we can make that atmosphere 70% as good as it was mm. for the derby, then, you know, who's to say that we can't get that result against Chelsea? You know, Arsenal haven't looked amazing. Mm. Like, they showed away from home that they could trip up to a side like Rent. Like, why couldn't, why couldn't Everton beat them at Goodison?
1: Interesting. Well, obviously a big factor in whether we get seventh or not will be the form and productivity of our wingers. Um,
0: Gav... What's your thoughts on Bernard? Um, I think he's getting better, but he's still not what I expected. What did stage. you expect? Somebody with a bit more quality. Uh, <laughs> Whoa, I think what his quality it's is outstanding? More, more, more. It's sorry, consistency. It's a consistent, yeah, consistent. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. consistent <laughs> quality. Right. <Yeah. laughs> but, no, but yeah, okay. But quality. Yeah, I will say quality. I'd, I'd, expect, I'd expect more from him. No, his, his
2: touch is sublime. Yeah, yeah, okay, his visions but good. But I don't, I
0: don't, I don't say quality as in insane. It's, Definition of technique. Yeah. You know, and what I'm saying is is applying that technique yeah. right, to, to the game. Yeah. You know, that's me is quality. Um and he hasn't done enough. What I would say, he's another one who looks like he's benefited from the, the 17 day break. Mm. And I and I, I, I take on board everything about you know not having these and all that. Yeah, yeah. You know. Um but overall for somebody's who's played for Brazil and I would expect a little bit more from him. Um has he got a Premier League goal for us yeah? No, 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 no. yes. Just that uh,
2: little dink against Lincoln, yeah. uh, and and I think dink
0: he's at a it. I think he's <laughs> better better wide than I don't I don't think at number ten. He'd, he I think he'd uh, struggle at number ten, right? Because, because it's too a uh, little bit more physical in the middle, and I think he needs space to express himself. Mm. And uh, that that that's a conundrum <coughs> if you want to play with Charles wide left, isn't it? Or wide wide right as Pano said. Mm-hmm. So I, I I do like him, but I want to see him applying his skills. In a more consistent uh, and effective manner. Prenner, you seem to be
1: a fully paid up member of the Bernard fan club.
2: Yeah, I like him. I totally take on board what Gav's trying to say in a convoluted way there. Yeah. Um, Yeah, he needs to produce more consistently and he looks better as a substitute than he does as a starting individual. But I was pleasantly surprised by his performance against Liverpool. Didn't expect to see him start him. You know, okay, it was a great cameo against Cardiff, but you know, that's Cardiff, you know, so let's let's see you do it, you know, against Liverpool. And he and he did to the large degree. And finished ninety minutes, which is unusual. Um I, I just think he's an absolute top level footballer. Um, as you know, evidenced by, you know, appearing for Brazil in a World Cup semi final. I know they got battered seven nil, but you know, he, yeah, he still yeah. appeared in a World Cup semi final yeah. for it. One. Seven, seven one. them. No, I just think he's got a, a huge amount of promise there and I think we'll see the better of him you know when he has had a pre-season under his belt you know so he's been at the club for a little bit longer and I think we'll probably start to see don't want to make comparisons because you know but I'm going to uh, you know, <laughs> Coutinho was like you know a slow burner at Liverpool when he first arrived you know he was in and out of the side and you know a similar kind of thing came from you know sort of into Milan didn't have a pre-season and then became this absolute world piece. I'm not going to say that Bernard will ever hit those heights but he's got that kind of quality and with a bit of um, pre-season under his belt, a bit more, you know, sort of familiarity with the Premier League, I think we'll start to see that quality being expressed on a more regular basis. Uh, I think it's a great signing and I remember at the time when he came in, the number of people, you know, sort of quite well-respected pundits around Europe that were, wow, have Everson got him? Yeah. Uh, you know, he clearly is, you know, sort of a player that people think very, very highly of and I'll just say I-, I like him a lot but I think there's a lot more to come. As thoughts? <sighs> All I keep going back to is that he was free. He was free. Like, <laughs> I'm not sure his wages, but... Yeah, but yeah. Like,
3: at the end of the day, you haven't paid the transfer fee for sure. someone. And yeah, he, like, he's somebody who's got clearly that much raw talent about him. I think both lads are right. You know, We haven't seen his, his quality enough on a consistent basis, but I think, as Gav's rightly said, I think that 17-day break, considering he didn't have a pre-season, you know, that 17-day break would have been massive for them. And I think over the last two games, we've shown his best qualities, his best attributes, what, what he can bring to Everton on a football pitch. You know, when he came on against Cardiff, he was straight away on that Manga, isolating him, getting at him one-on-one. And he set up the think second goal. You
1: got goal.
3: taken on Manga? <laughs> <laughs> well, Charleston couldn't, apparently. No, yeah, yeah. So, like, yeah, like, and he set up the second goal doing that. I think he got, got at Trent Alexander-Arnold a couple of times uh, Jordan the derby. I think the, the best thing he did in that derby, though, was that mad bit of control from Pickford's 80-yard mm. ball. It was Brody incredible. trigger
1: just a fraction earlier. If, yeah,
3: if only he'd just tried to bend that round Van Dijk. But yeah, I think th- that end product will come to him. You know, he's, you know, he's quite clearly trying to build that confidence, you know, yeah. doing, getting back to doing what he was doing for Shakhtar Donetsk and what he used to do for the Brazil national team as well. And I think, like, if we give him a good run of games, I think that's the important thing. You've got to give him that good run of games now from, for... From now until the end of the season.
1: So are we saying along with Dominic Calvert-Lewin, is Bernard somebody who needs to be given the final nine games in the starting eleven, come what may?
3: (sighs) My initial thought would be yeah, but it it seems harsh on Adam Ola-Luchman because I feel like he needs the same thing as well. And I don't think he can play both because you can't really leave Richarlison out. So... There's, there's a tough decision to be made there, definitely. Yeah,
2: I don't I'm know about, I'm not the one making it. I, I don't think Luckman has done enough to justify getting that run at the moment. I mean, he was bright in the FA Cup tie, but we've not seen much, you know, at all since then. And I, I just think Bernard has shown more to show that, you know, he deserves that little run of games, whereas Luckman, it's all what he might produce. We haven't actually seen anything of it yet to say that he is going to harsh, but, you know, that, that's the Premier League, unfortunately. You so know, He's only had about... Ten minutes of action though in the last yeah. two games really hasn't he? I think he
3: came on, closing stages against Cardiff, yes. and that yeah. that was it. So, no, it's a bit a bit unfair on him.
1: The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Go on, Gav. Just no, on no. the flip side, I was going to say, but surely making it easier for Marco Silva in, in the decision largely is the form of Walcott, who has been given, I think you'll be fair to say, um, more game time than he probably is deserved lately. Or do you not agree with that?
0: No, I agree totally. Um, so does that
1: not make Marco's decision easier? It does. Or why does Marco keep picking him?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Can you, know you make the questions a bit easier? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. obviously well, reputation would probably be there, but Base? certainly mm. but certainly um in terms of what we've seen week in, week out over the since since Christmas. Before is it one Premier League goal since August, something yeah. like that? Yeah. yeah. Spurs it was, uh, isn't it? not complete. I mean for somebody who's experienced the player, his is, is finishing's dreadful. I mean, I think there was a stat, wasn't it, last week? I hate these stats, but I'm going to use one. In the Cardiff game, yeah. he had more shots inside the box that were off target than with the player in the Premier League yeah. this season, didn't <laughs> yeah. he? And he did the same on Sunday's in the Derby where it was a half-decent yeah, opportunity. Um, and I, I just don't... When we're talking about players needing game time, um, it would be useful for them to have game time. I don't see the point... I really don't see the point of him playing. Because you, to me, he's, he's offering... Not a lot to us at the moment. Do you moment. think he's
1: been picked not only for pace and reputation, but maybe tiny reputation, experience, and so far. So while Marco continues to feel the pressure and the necessity more so to be picking up points regardless of of experimenting, is Walcott going to naturally be in with more of a shout because Marco knows that as a more experienced player, he can instruct him and give him, and he's going to deliver there on that? A bit better, or but the last bits there, the key thing is going to deliver. Is he
0: less of a risk? Well, I I just and that's like reputation as well, isn't it? That's reputation and experience. But as I see us play week in, week out, with with my eyes, I just don't see justification for them playing in the team, Mm -hmm. especially when there's an opportunity there for a Luckman or
2: a Bernard say. To play in his place, I think. I think the reason he gets in as well as all that is is defensive discipline and work rate. There's a lot of stuff you see him doing defensively, and I saw it on Sunday against Liverpool, where he's in the fan, you know, the bottom third of the pitch, you know, so doing decent covering see, jobs.
3: I, 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 but, I think he, he lacks defensively. Oh, no, his that,
2: defensive I, awareness is,
1: but is, it, is, is he, non-existent? Is he relative? Is he a better defender, than Lukman?
2: I, I think 100. percent and better than Bernard as well. And that, oh, definitely, is, definitely, I definitely don't in. think
1: he's better than Bernard.
3: No, defensively. I disagree. I think his
2: defensive discipline and his Work rate is yeah. is why he's in there because he certainly isn't producing quality. I think, the I, third think of the pitch. I
3: think Bernard's so much more aware of where everyone is around him, His marking when he's getting mm-hmm. back is much better. Walcott just jogs back.
2: We see different games, I, so. yeah.
0: I see the same game as Ad. To be <laughs> yeah, because I think that's one thing about Bernard. I think he's actually far. But, but, but considering he's from Brazil and mm-hmm. you know fancy football, he's actually defensively quite disciplined. Yeah, and Walcott this season. How many goals has he cost us where he's not tracked back? And there's been at least two, two or three goals where the ar- other players Arsenal have Adam
3: Arsenal away. Yeah. He put he John Joe Kenny in Man a United. big load of trouble. Man United yeah, away. Yeah. He yeah. put Coleman um, in a big load
0: of trouble. Man City as well. I think one of the goals um, in the second half. Um, and uh, do you play wingers because they're defensively the good? I, I want do to swear uh, the opposition primarily. You do, but
2: and, you've got to, yeah, you've got I, to have agree. I
0: agree. Both, I you know, agree. But then a if you if you play a holding midfielder who'll just cover the back four, does that give you a bit more coverage of your defence? And I don't see the point of playing him the last nine games of the season when there's other options, going back to the original yes. start of the pod. I would like to see Richardson maybe tries right. I know he said left before, but I wouldn't mind. If, if it meant playing a Luckman or a Bernard on the left, I, would, I wouldn't I would mind seeing Richarlison playing right. Um, but... I, it's one an in England international, twenty odd million quid, decent wages, interesting sign and when I look, back, But you know, over fifteen months, three we, goals and two assists. Yeah, and I think uh, one of those
3: assists was bount, bouncing back off
0: yeah. the keeper for Sigurdsson, wasn't it? Mm. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not wholly convinced. I'm not, I'm not convinced that his long term future whether we can sell him is another thing. Hmm. I'm not, I'm not sure whether his long term future is is here. To be fair, but he, he might be another one of the Snyderland. <laughs> things where he's at 29 on the last big contact he yeah. maybe doesn't want to move but he's been a major disappointment for this season at last seems okay last four yeah, or five months. Made an impact. Yeah. yeah six goals with six seven goals was it um mm. uh, this season i'm, I'm with that i think he's just uh been a disappointment disappointment well, for me
3: i think the frustrating thing as well is that he started this season so well yeah he you know he bagged that goal against south 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 uh, southampton sorry Next week he was bagging against Bournemouth away yeah. from home. That Bournemouth goal, especially, I was mm. thinking, oh, this is this is what I always thought we'd see from yeah. Walcott. You know, on the counter attack, blind and pace, yeah. great finish. Like I was just thinking, yeah, this is yeah. this is a, this is an eighteen million pound winger.
2: And since then, he I, I can't remember the last time he beat a man. Well, found I think someone the, with a cross. The last half decent performance was Burnley because that was the one where I think Marco Silva marched onto the pitch and actually hugged him and you know basically said to him, "That's the kind of performance I know you can produce." Don't take what I was saying before as a justification from being in the team because I don't think yeah. you should be. Absolutely yeah. no way. I was trying to explain why I thought Marco Silva was still mm. picking. Yeah, him. absolutely. Yeah. Because um, yeah. interestingly,
1: know, Perino, that that game against Burnley, Walcott had played almost as a support striker. Mm. He hadn't played. Yeah, properly wide. He was. All, he was. He was. He was given the to tuck in and help Calvert Lewin. And he's yeah. often
2: said himself that so he prefers go. to be a central striker. You know, his days at Arsenal. He had that one good season, didn't he? But he scored twenty odd goals. <laughs> the problem is he can't hit a barn door with a banjo. It really yeah, surprises you know. me because yeah, his finishing is, should we say, at best instinctive. <laughs> 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 he's, uh, he's, he's not the most natural finisher in the world, and that's, that's being kind. So, is there anybody um,
1: from Everton's under twenty threes who deserve to be? taking a place of, of a Walker or somebody, you know, Everton uh, on Monday night, beat Liverpool 2-0 at Anfield to edge closer to a second Premier League 2 title in three seasons with a 2-0 victory. They need three more victories from their remaining four games to clinch the title. I do sense anybody in the 23s that's pushing or do you look at anybody and go, they need to be given an opportunity now between now and the end of the season?
3: I mean, It's interesting, isn't it? Like we've, We've discussed this for a few weeks now. You know, this could be the second time in a few years that Everton's under-23s are going to win the Premier League too. I think the first time they did it, like there was a number of standout players. You know, you've got the likes of Dowell, Davis, Calvert-Lewin played a lot of games then. Uh, John Joe Kenny, obviously. You know, they're all in and around the first team now, apart from Dowell, who's been sent out on loan. But, you know, they're in the first team picture now. I'm looking at this this squad of players in, in a way, it's more impressive what David Lunsworth's done with them because there's no real standout players for me. You know, there's... I, I genuinely couldn't even pick one of them, you know? It's,
2: it's the old argument about whether under-23 football currently produces players ready for first-team football. Mm. We've argued it many times. that so, you know, you're playing against other under-23 footballers when you probably would benefit more from going out on loan yeah. and playing, mm. you know, sort of championship level, you know, sort of players and, and develop better as a result.
3: I'd argue the most exciting young prospect at the club at the minute is Anthony Gordon who's been more with the under-18s. You know, he's played briefly for the 23s, you know, set off the second goal on Monday night and he's just signed his first professional contract with the club which I think is brilliant given the fact that he was linked to Borussia Dortmund not so long ago. So I'd be... Very excited to see how he, but he, obviously he's got to go through the under twenty three <coughs> setup before he yeah. gets anywhere near the first team. So yeah, it, it, it will be interesting. Does he though?
0: Does he have to go through the under twenty three setup? You've got to uh, you be as good as uh, Ben Rooney if you are going to that, jump on that. Do uh, that, 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 you know what my my feel on this? What my default statement here is, is, is is if you are not good at, not good enough at eighteen to play in the first team, then you are not going to be good enough at twenty twenty three to play in the first team because academy football. Does not in my eyes work in a way that develops you to improve your quality, consistency, experience to make you good enough to play in the Premier League. And if you look around the Premier League, the players who've come through academies and in first teams, have been in the fit by and large at bigger clubs, have been there when they were 18, you know, and uh, at about 11, isn't it? Really, yeah. if you have a look, our two, our two most successful academy products, Walk, Barkley, and Rooney. In the last what fifteen years, yeah.
2: Tom but, Davis Tom, has been playing since he yeah, was eighteen. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Tom Davis was yeah. playing
0: when he was eighteen. Yeah. You know, started at the start in the first team at sixteen, seventeen. What we ha- what you don't say is say somebody all of a sudden turns up in the Premier League team at twenty one. I think, mm. wow, yeah, he's good. You know that that doesn't happen because I don't think pre- Premier League Premier League under twenty three football develops. shepherd what Plenum says at the start of the start of the piece. And I think uh, that's just we've we've talked that to death, haven't I mean, we, in the past. And I think if somebody was good enough for eighteen to play for Everton, I'd s I would I would not necessarily say, you know, playing the under twenty threes. I'd be looking at giving an opportunity, mm. to be
1: fair. Interesting. Interesting indeed. Um we we'll move on now. Um a victory at St James's Park last season, uh, in December of last season was a first win on the road in 17 attempts but actually despite what it may feel like is our away form better than we think Uh, 15 points picked up
2: so far which is the same as last season is it really yeah Uh, quite a few things about this season that are surprising us Um, I think there was a spell earlier in the season where the pressure of playing at home you know so it was certainly getting to the players and I'm hoping that maybe a corner has been turned with the not just the performance against Liverpool, but that, um, I, don't, I don't want to use the word bonding as such, because, you know, there wasn't any anything like that going on, but there certainly seemed to be, I don't know, that the players responding better to the crowd and the crowd responding in turn, you know, sort of the players' efforts far more than we've seen at any time, you know, so since Marco Silva's been here, whether that's down to sirens or whether that's just down <laughs> to uh, the fact it was a derby match, I don't know. But the atmosphere was great. It really was, you know, sort of one to enjoy. And the players have all spoken about it. They all seem inspired by it. And, you know, clearly Marco Silva's quite keen to, and, you know, continue that as long as possible. It's a different matter altogether going away from home. But I think this is a, a good game for Everton to face this weekend. Um, it's a tough place, Newcastle, you know, because obviously, you know, so their home support is quite significant. Um, um. Not quite as good as I like to think it is, you know, with the <laughs> self-appointed, you know, some sort of massive club status. Let's not get into that argument. I've been there in the early 1990s as a Tranmere was correspondent when there were 15,000 inside there, and um, Manchester City, who were in the third tier of English football, were getting 25, 28,000. Their supporters are proper supporters. Newcastle fans aren't. But let's <laughs> <that's> not go <going> down <laughs> that. Uh, yeah. Can yeah. we uh, soundbite this, that one and just tweet yeah. it out? No, I I'm just if
0: Newcastle. Yeah. Yeah. Just, I yeah. might um, do well to get out alive. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's
2: just, yeah I'm not going.
0: <laughs> yeah. You are now.
2: Uh, <laughs> no, oh, t- t- some funny stories about being up there. They used to do uh, you have the press box or where it is now, you're right up in the gods, aren't you? But back in the, in the day, you were uh, down almost at uh, a pitch level, enclosure type level, as Goodison used I mean, to be. still yeah, are. Yeah, oh, still are. Right. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. the well, well, there used to be uh, fans sat right in front of you, the road directly in front of you and they always used to put the uh, the away travelling journalist, uh, and we actually called this guy Dad and Lad, and Dad and Lad would all be sat in front of like the Echo Spot, and every single year, whether it's Everton or Liverpool, Rick George, Phil McNulty, they'd come back and say, oh God, Dad and Lad was on our scene today. <laughs> <laughs> they said, what's going on? And there's when you had to do uh, Football Echo Runners, and they'd wait until about 10 or 15 minutes, and they'd hear you dictating something in a fairly, you know, sort of partisan, fairly pro-Everton Everton way, and they'd turn around and start shouting abuse at you. <laughs> well, you're trying to take a match report yeah. well, you know, so dad and lad are shouting abuse at you and it used to go on all the time so maybe that's coloured my views of going to Townside <laughs> a little bit <laughs> um, never, never the greatest trip Gav you, you, you've
0: you also some other stats about goals conceded away from home yeah, this season yeah I I surprised me already we this season they say the same points <laughs> as the whole last year we've got more wins away from home this season than the whole of last year I know this is also sort of damn with fame plays. Um, we scored more goals on the road than what we did the whole last season and we've conceded 18 away same stage last year it was 29 I think we ended up 36 in the end which is like double where we are at the moment Um, and I just think we just I I think people criticise Silva you know when fans say we can't set up a team defensively I think he can I think he can you've only got to see how we set up on big games on the road this season by and large and we've looked pretty pretty solid against some of the bigger teams. And I think away from home, I think if he's, the defence sits a little bit deeper, I think he can set up a defence. And I think that's reflected in our record. And we've not really had a... I mean, City beat, beat us three, didn't we? But we've not three really one, had... Yeah. You know, we, we took some proper pastings last year and even the year before, didn't we? Uh, on the road. and We've not really had that. Um And so we, we just... We just look better defensively. I think we have got the fifth best record in the, in the Premier League away from home for yeah. goals conceded, uh, and we, we set we set up better, um, and I think that's reflected in our record. We've got a few winnable games away from home. You know the way the way fixtures are easy in the home fixtures, uh, and I think we, we could hopefully finish with six or seven wins on, on ourselves this season when you see what we, who we've got to play. Mm. And that's why I'd like to see and sit in, but play at the, the other midfielder away from home. Definitely more as a box to box. Give us more, more up front. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's it's good to see. Um, as Pano says, we've got to start replicating some of that at home. You know? uh, still
1: to come away from home, obviously Newcastle on Saturday, and then in uh, no particular order, I think it's Palace, West Ham, Fulham, and Spurs.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Winnable, aren't they? Ed? Oh yeah, absolutely. I think Breno made an interesting
3: point earlier. Towards the start of the season, we were suggesting that the away form was looking a bit better than the home form. And I think the way Everton were playing at the start of the season just suited better to being an away team. You know, it was very, very direct sort of football. Whenever out of possession, it was all about pressing high from the front. Uh, You don't really see home teams doing that so much. Like when you're a team like Everton, you're expected at home to dominate possession a little bit more. And I think that was working against Everton maybe somewhat in those opening few home games, but away from home, like especially in that uh, in that Leicester game, it worked perfectly with uh, Richardson and Sigurdsson just pressing from the front so well. Uh, I know we didn't win the game, but it worked very well. Chelsea as well uh, to try and nullify mm-hmm. the threat of Jorginho as it was then. Um, over the last couple of games, I'd say probably in the derby, we went back to that sort of way of playing. You know, it's a bit different when a side like Liverpool are coming to Goodison Park because you do expect, you know, this, like the team who are second in the league are probably going to dominate possession uh, when you're the underdogs. So Everton would almost play in like an away team at, at the weekend. Yeah. But I think going to Newcastle playing that sort of way again, there's no reason to suggest that Everton can't can't beat them. I know Newcastle's home form has been quite good recently. They've won each mm. of their last four home yeah. games, including. Uh, a win against Man City, obviously. Yeah. So it, it, it's not going to be easy by any stretch of the imagination, but I think Everton have shown over the last couple of games that they can absolutely do it. Like, it's as I said in the pod, I think it was the other day, if we can marry the attack and flair of what happened in the last 30 minutes against Cardiff with the defensive solidity that they've shown throughout the game at Goodson Park on it's Sunday. Yeah. There
2: you go. To me, it's a great test of uh, of Marco's... Coaching credentials this game at the weekend because you look at the two squads in terms of quality, and Everton's blows Newcastle out of the water. You know if you're basing all your hopes on Salomon Rondon, you know you've uh, you know you've you've got basically. You know, so massive golfing in quality but why Newcastle are being so successful is because and this is not a popular uh, viewpoint as I know from my Twitter account this week <laughs> Rafa Benitez <laughs> is, is a very very good coach and you know so he's, he's absolutely expert at getting the best out of limited resources and that's what he's doing at Newcastle so he will have them organised to the nth degree he will know exactly where the threat will come from from Everton and he'll set his team up to nullify that and try and counter and it's up to Marco to try and second guess you know so what Rafa's going to do, and basically produce a game plan accordingly, and it's going to be one of those—you know, you hate to say—but intriguing games. You can't see it being, you know, so sort of massively, you know, so sort of gung ho or dramatic, but it will be really interesting. He won, won three 0 last year, with Watford didn't he? Yes, Since he James did. Yeah.
0: With, which is interesting. I think going back to our away form, I think one of the key players in that is Keane, isn't it? I think I think he's a far better defender, and this probably goes back to his Burnley days if we sit and he can just defend. I think he struggles and say, I'm just thinking, say like the Wolves game at home this <clears> season or say the West Ham game. Oh, where we push up a little bit and leave space behind. Yeah. And the ball's played in behind him. And Coleman as well, But we're vulnerable on that right flank. Because Seamus mm. obviously is maybe not as quick as what it was four or five years ago. Keane didn't play that uh, West Ham game. Yeah, but fair, you know, just generally yeah. just generally uh, speaking, we're vulnerable when the ball's played mm. behind us um, defensively. And I think Keane especially, you know, struggles on the turn. Um, and and I think if we sit deep he looks a far better defender, doesn't he? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. He's had a good season though, Michael. Yeah, I'm not saying that. I'm no, not, I'm did, not did, saying did you're not saying that. I'm just saying I'm just thinking out loud, I think he has, hasn't he? Yeah, it? he has. Um uh, but what, what I'm saying is is that he, he's somebody who will thrive in that setup, I think, defensively the centre half, but but when if we move forward I and mean, sort of like we press press up the pitch as a team, then the ball played in behind him. Is it is, is always, mm. it's, it's, always it's, a it's, even,
3: it's even like Keane bringing the ball forward. I'd say probably the, his his worst attribute in the derby was him trying to bring the ball out from the back because his his passing game still isn't exactly where we need it to be. Especially when he's playing next to someone like Kurt Zuma, who's very very yeah. good at bringing the ball out from the back. It kind of kind of shows him up a little bit. And I think as you say, when we are playing that high line. Does put a lot of pressure on Zuma because he's in the side to be, you know, that cover and defender. You know, yeah. if Keane is caught out with that ball over the top, it's it's got to be Zuma, to, to man the man to cut yeah. to go over and cover, and then it leaves us leaves a massive gap in the defence. Otherwise, yeah. and but he, he's yeah. had a good season.
0: No, yeah, absolutely. And yeah. um,
1: before we finish off and I get predictions, actually, I one for you because um, Adam and Gav have answered this question. It's a question that was actually sent to us um, for the live show the other week. Um, I'm not sure if we got chance. If you've shared your um answer on this on the podcast um do you, if you recall somebody asked if we could only sign one of the lone players permanently whether it be Zuma or Gomez, which one would you choose?
2: yeah we were asked it on the night and my answer was Gomez all day long uh, because he gives us something that we don't already have uh Zuma I've been massively impressed with you know he's decent, but you know, as you mentioned earlier what well, you know Yerry Mina has presumably been brought in you know yeah. sort to of be also. That, you know, so a partner for Michael Keane, and Michael Keane has had a good season. But I just think it's more difficult to identify and to land a really uh, creative, you know, so penetrating passing midfielder than it is to get a decent centre half who's quick and solid. Zuma is that, but I think that kind of defender is more. I wouldn't say easy, but, you know, so you can identify those players and bring them in more easily than you can, you know, sort a player like Gomez, I just think, again, similar to Bernard, there's an awful lot more to come from Gomez when he's had a full pre-season under his belt, when he's actually had a good look at the Premier League. Um, we saw glimpses of it in those first, you know, so four or five weeks when he first broke through into the first team. I'm just a huge Gomez fan and uh, I would take him all day long. That's not to denigrate Zuma at all, who I also like, uh, but I just think, you know, so Gomez gives us something a little bit different that we haven't already got in the squad. Wondering why you're wearing a Gomez (laughs) T-shirt. I I don't know, to to be honest. I mean, the mood music seemed quite positive earlier in the season. It's gone a bit quieter now, whether that's because his form has dipped a little bit and, you know, so maybe people aren't quite as excited about the idea. That could be in our favour, you, know, so, you know, so maybe, you know, sort of suitors from elsewhere won't be quite so enthusiastic now. And obviously he's had a look at the club, you know, you'd like to think he's quite happy and quite, you know, he's enjoying, although he hasn't been picked the last few weeks and so maybe he isn't. Uh, but, you know, I'm hoping we do, because you know, because I like him a lot as a footballer. Good stuff. Uh, Gav, I'll
1: start with you. What's your prediction for Newcastle versus Everton on Saturday?
2: Um, as some I
0: think you, um, the echo points out so today, never won three on the bounce there, have we? Nope. So it's right. got to be a 1-0 win for the mighty Blues, hasn't it? seems last two years people been 1-0. Mm, last yeah. year
3: certainly was. Yeah, last year certainly was. Uh, uh I'm going to go 2-0 to Everton. Hmm? Uh, I fancy fancy to keep another clean sheath, third clean sheath in a row. I think that's got to be key. I think uh, goal in each half won't take from him
2: because no. I don't know who's <laughs> going to play. <laughs> we, we never get this right, do we? So, um uh, I'm, I'm confident again. It's going to be tight. It's definitely an under two and a half goals on your uh, on your coupon. But uh, I think a one 0 away win, and I'd love to see Calvert Lewin. You know, so I'll pop the winner in.
1: Interesting. I think uh, we'll win three one. Uh, let us know what you think. <laughs>
2: Ooh. Uh, well, he got the it's derby like, one right. Yeah, he got yeah. the derby roll, right, I, didn't I? he?
0: Yeah.
1: yeah. Well, we'll see. Eh? We'll see. Fingers crossed. Um, let us know your predictions. Uh, get us on Twitter. And you can uh, rate and review the podcast on iTunes and the ACAST app. So please do so. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast in association with Sport Pacer. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.